episode 173, 10 different comics, 1495, blind bag find from an antique store. Hello, time travelers, and welcome back to another episode of the Comic Book Time Machine. I'm Ben, Ben Avery, and I am here to travel back in time to read some comic books. And uh, one of my favorite ways of traveling back in time is the blind bag. I've talked about this many, many times. I'm going to talk about it again, just in case this is your first episode where you've joined me to do one of these things. A blind bag from my childhood tended to be those comics that were at the grocery store. They were, we were with all the magazines, but they were in that plastic bag. There were three or four comics in there. And I'd always try and peek and see what's in the middle to see what's 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 uh, what's hidden inside. But you could see one on the front. You could see one on the back. And that's how I have a handful of comic books from my childhood. And I still have very, very fond memories of of that. More recently, I've been buying these uh, from Target, from Walmart, from eBay, and now from an antique store in my new hometown. So I eventually want to do an episode about comic book treasures from my hometown where I live now in Indiana. I've moved uh, away. It's, it's well, I moved half an hour away from my, my old place, which is... 25 minutes closer to my job, which is kind of nice. What's not kind of nice is that it is a half an hour away from, well, more than half an hour away from the local comic shop and from some of the, the bigger stores. But that hasn't stopped me from finding some comic books at the, well, at a local antique store and at a local used bookstore. And I, I, I really have found some, some genuine treasures, well, treasures, to me, things that I really enjoyed. I, well, I'll get to that in another episode, but I did not want to wait to talk about what I'm holding in my hand because what I'm holding in my hand is a hefty thing. This, uh, it's also an interesting thing. It feels like it has been shrink wrapped by, uh, by hand. Maybe there's a nice hole in the backside where the shrink wrap broke, tore away as it was being heat, uh, shrunk. And there is on the inside of this thing, there's just a slip of paper. It looks like it was just cut off or it might be. I don't know if it is, but it might even be a label. It says 10 different comics, 1495. That is on the inside of the shrink wrap. On the outside of the shrink wrap is where there was what looks like a mailing label, the the address that you're sending the letter to. Uh, it's that size and shape and it's been peeled off. And so there's just residue there. And then there is a, uh, a, a label with the price on it. It's, it gives the booth number from the antique store. It wasn't an antique store. It was one of those antique, um, I don't know, co-ops. I don't know what you call them, but you know, you go around and there's all these different booths, but you pay for it at one place. And it's like a flea market kind of thing or an indoor flea market, but it's an actual antique store and says comic pack $5. So what I have in my hand is 10 different comics for $14.95. But what really caught my eye is what's on the front and what's on the back. As I was saying before about when I would find these things in the grocery store, what's on the front, what's on the back of this? Well, American flag is on the front. I don't know if it's a Howard Chaikin comic or not. It's American flag number 32. But it also had the 10 different comics, 1495, which is in there. I can't tell if that is stuck onto the American flag comic or not. Fortunately, I don't buy these for the collectible value. I buy them to read comics that I wouldn't normally read. And I force myself when I open one of these blind bags to read everything that's inside. So I have 10 comic books that I'm going to read from inside here. And side note, what I do with this podcast, uh, with this style of episode for this podcast is I tend to, especially when there's only three comics or four comics, read one, 
Yeah, well, I, I open it and then I play a sounder and, and go away from my microphone and read it or sometimes sit in front of my microphone and read it and then turn the microphone back on after I've read it. I don't know if I'm going to do that same kind of thing for all 10 of these comics, especially if there's a lot to talk about. I might just play a sounder and come back and just kind of give a report on the whole thing, because while there's 10 comics in here, nine of them are floppies. Nine of them are saddled, stitched, stapled comics. The 10th one is a graphic novel. It's a 1395 cover price graphic novel. So I'm not sure how old it is. <laughs> Might be fairly old. I don't know. It's Valiant though, which tells you something that it, about the age as well. And it's the Valiant era collection of Valiant. I, I don't know what this is. I'm not familiar with the various titles and different theming that they use for Valiant comics, but it's, it's thick. It's, it takes, you know, it's, it's, if you're looking at the side, it's over a third of, of what I, uh, of the height of these books. Uh, the, the American flag comic is by first comics and first comics. My main familiarity with them is reading about them in comic book, uh, catalogs that I used to get when I was, when I was younger and, you know, these print catalogs printed on newsprint and they would have different sidebars and stuff. It would, it would come from mile high comics. And then I also got the catalog for, um, I think it was Lone Star comics, which then became now is, is my comic shop.com. And there might've been another one that I got that was like a, more of a science fiction thing, but a lot of my comic book knowledge from the eighties didn't come from reading comic books. It came from reading catalogs that had comic books in them. So like I knew that Frank Miller's Dark Knight was hot. How did I know that? Because the catalogs told me it was. And then when I got older and would see it in a store, then I'd be like, oh, I saw that. I should read that because that's a, a special thing that I read about in the in those catalogs. So anyway, first comics I know about from from those comics. So what I do for an episode like this is I open this up. I kind of give a report on what's in here and my first impressions on what's in here. And so I'll do that for the 10 comics that are in here. And then the I will play a sounder and probably play a, uh, a podcast promo for a podcast that I appreciate or enjoy. And then I will come back having read all of these comics. I don't know if I'll have read the entire graphic novel of the Valiant Era collection, but... Without any further ado, I want to open this thing up here and and see what's in here. I'm so excited because, you know, the cover price for that graphic novel was $13.95. Then the 10 different comics price that whoever wrapped this, whoever I have no idea where this came from. I've never seen anything like this on the shelf in a in a way that would show me like who uh who put it together, who who is the distributor on this thing. Um but yeah, I'm just really curious about this whole thing. What is in here? I have a feeling that there might be some some gems in here. I also have a feeling there might be some stinkers in here. But what I'm really excited about is, is there going to be something in here that I wouldn't have picked up on my own? And, you know, $13.95 cover price, $14.95 product price, and I got it for $5. The question is, $5 divided by 10 comics. This is almost, not quite, but almost Professor Allen territory. Will these be worth the 50 cents that I paid for each one of them? And I'm also thinking, okay, maybe I can even divide that 50 cents up even more to get closer to 25 cents per if, uh, you know, depending on how many comics are represented in that uh, Valiant era collection. But Let's let's just open this thing. Um, yeah, so this uh, this shrink wrap is, is a fairly thick shrink wrap. Like whoever did this, it, it was someone who knew what they were doing with shrink wrapping. Uh, so let's get this off here, and let's take a look at what's inside. So this American flag by First Comics. It is from well, trying to find a copyright date but not seeing one I don't I don't see a copyright date well that can't be right 1986 it looks like this is from 1986 which is the year of 
uh, oh, the, right there on inside the front cover. I just didn't re uh, realize that I was looking at it because that was also a letters page. So yeah, here we are. Copyright 1986 first comics. So this is, I'm excited about that. Now these are placed inside, inside the, the shrink wrap, uh, front cover to, and then back cover to back cover, front cover to front cover. So as I take this American flag issue off the top of the pile, I see the back cover of the next comic. And what's staring at me is just bringing some warm fuzzies to me on this back cover. I don't know what publisher I am looking at. I'm just looking at an ad. I'm looking at an ad for Super Nintendo's Super Advantage. It says, because losing sucks. I have seen this ad so many times on comics from the 90s. This is this one is in particular is from 1993. Is it Ultraverse? That is my question. So if it's Ultraverse, then I have this comic because I have every single issue. I don't have like all the variants and, and different things like that, but every single issue of the Ultraverse line, plus a couple Marvel comic ties in tie-ins that, that aren't actually part of the Ultraverse, but do tie into the storyline, you know, bringing Black Knight into the Ultraverse and out of the Ultraverse. I have the whole thing. This will be a double. Does it matter to me? No. Will I read this? Yes. But is this the Ultraverse? Is this a Malibu comic? Let's find out. I'm going to flip it over. And it is not Ultraverse. Actually, even better for me, this is The Ferret, which is something I've never read before. <laughs> I've known of it. And a good friend of mine, Mike Miller, has drawn, I believe, an issue or two or inked an issue or two of it. And uh, just po uh, peeking at the front here, the editor is Roland Mann, another friend of mine. This is from 1993. The Ferret, number five, from September 1993 has two stories in it, a solo story, and then also one that I don't know if this is tied into something else, but it says Genesis on the side there. So that's cool. Next one down is not a surprise because it's face up, cover face up. It's uh, The Demon, issue number eight from 1991 by Alan Grant and Val Semix. And that is a title I'm familiar with, but another one that I haven't read too much from. Hopefully it's a done in one. We'll see if I get a beginning, middle, and end on these things. That's one of the uh, one of my judgments. You know, one of the things I use to judge if it's, if it's good or not. Is it done in one? All right. So the next one, as I pull away the demon, I see the original back cover to Cerebus number nine. There is a picture of a back cover. I am assuming that I have a reprint of Cerebus number nine here. As I flip it over, I see that it is Cerebus by Weekly. Reprinting service number nine from 1979 in its entirety. Uh, but this is from 1989. And actually, that's that's kind of fun. This is comic book history here. Uh, service number nine. Next is uh, Enigma. Uh, what's OK? So this is DC Vertigo Enigma. What's interesting about this is from March 1993. That's not what's interesting. But what is interesting is this says number one of Eight looks like it's by Peter Milligan. Uh, I think it's Peter Milligan. Yeah, Peter Milligan, Duncan Fogretto. And this is the first issue of a limited series. So the question will be, it will be good enough for me to actually think about seeking out the rest of the series. That has happened once or twice with uh, a grab bag like this. But that is Enigma from DC Vertigo. So far, that's a pretty broad spectrum of, of publishers and just kinds of comics. Again, I'm still really curious who compiled this together. How did it end up with that? Oh, by the way, the 10 different comics for $14.95 was a loose piece of paper, typing paper printed and maybe just cut up. I don't know. I'm really curious what, what the deal is here with, with who put this together. But uh, the next comic has a, an advertisement from 1996 it is songs in the key of X music from and inspired by the television series, the X-Files. It's an advertisement for that CD, which I actually had that CD. I really used to re listen to it a lot. I would listen to it and I would uh, write to, to it when I would do my writing. Uh, the music is out there. It says now available on CD and cassette from Warner brothers records. And I'm not sure then, is this a DC comic I'm holding since the advertisement is from Warner Brothers? Well, let's find out. I'm going to turn it over. 
It is not from DC Comics. It is from Topps Comics. It is the X-Files annual number two. And it says all new. The The title of the story on the inside, I'm assuming, is Elfs, but it's in quotes. And it's E.L.F.S. Elfs. So something that ELF stands for. And then it says, warning, this isn't a Christmas story. And... It's an annual, so I'm assuming that I am probably going to get a done-in-one story here. It's also going to be a little thicker than a typical comic. It actually feels really nice and thick. Uh, okay, well, this this is kind of exciting, actually. I'm, I'm kind of excited to read that. Underneath that is The Valiant Era, Era Companion, featuring Eternal Warrior number 1 from 1993. This one, cardstock cover, much thinner. I wonder if this is actually something that maybe was stuck in with, uh, I don't know, Wizard Magazine or something like that. There is no cover price on it. There is, let's see here, Valiant Area Companion, number, Volume 1, Number 1, March 1994. I don't see anything to suggest that this was a pack-in. But it, when it says the Valiant Era Companion, I'm assuming that it is some sort of going to be some sort of like uh who's who or something like that but it is an actual story it is actually uh sequential storytelling comic book storytelling so i don't know what it is i'm looking at here but that's that then i have ray and the future force and this is from valiant another valiant comic it's issue number nine I'm not sure what year we're looking at here. I don't see the... Oh, here's the... Well, maybe not. I thought I was looking at the copyright information, but I don't see it. It's in here somewhere. doesn't matter. <laughs> the advertisement on the back is copyright 1992. So... I, have, I don't know anything about Ray or Rye and the Future Force. So it's another Valiant comic, though. So uh, I thought there was a lot of diversity, but so far uh, the the Valiant stuff is pretty pretty heavier. The final comic is uh, the back of the issue is facing me. I'm going to have to turn it over, but the advertisement on the back is for a video game. Uh, it is a PC game. It is from 1987. It's called Broken Sword, The Smoking Mirror, an epic graphic adventure. It's amazing graphics created by artists formerly of the renowned Don Bluth Studios. That looks fascinating. I don't know of any way that I can play this, but it looks really fascinating. But let's turn the comic over, find out what it is. It is Xeno Warrior Princess, number one of three, by Roy Thomas. Okay, it's tops again. That's kind of cool. Uh, one of three suggesting that I'm probably not going to get a one and done. This is probably going to be is probably going to end on a to be continued. We will just have to wait and see when I read it. But there it is. Finally, the Valiant Era Collection. Uh, so I only saw the back cover of this when I was looking at uh, the the packaging where you, it just had Valiant and then the Valiant symbol. Now I see the front cover. The Valiant Era Collection reprinting six of the most sought after Valiant comics. So I'm actually getting 15 comics here for $5, and it includes Magnus number 12, Stone and Steel, Solar number 10, The Man Who Killed the World, Solar number 11, Justifiable Homicides, and Eternal Warrior number 4, and number 5, Evil Reincarnate, and The Blood is the Life, and Shadow Man number 8, Death and Resurrection. And there's an introduction, and looking here, Magnus Robot Fighter... Uh, looks like it might be a crossover with Turok, Dinosaur Hunter. Solar Man of the Atom is oh, the cover. So I'm, I'm, I'm flipping through to see the, the cover image that they give. The cover image of Solar Man of the Atom may have been a foil printed cover. It's just black. And, and then the, the logo there is very, very dim. And it looks like this might have just been a black cover. I'll have to maybe do a little research into that. We'll see. We'll see. And then I don't see a cover for the next one. So I don't know what the cover is for that. Oh, there it is. And it's just Solar, Solar fighting, fighting some people. 
Eternal Warrior has a guy looks like he is uh Samurai Elvis. I don't know. I don't know anything about this character, but uh he's got some arrows flying at him and he's got some swords. And then the next one featuring the Eternal Warrior features Bloodshot, who I am familiar with. I never did get around to seeing that movie. I wanted to. Uh, but this time the uh, Samurai Elvis has a gun and looks a lot less Samurai Elvisy. And then finally, Shadow Man. I've seen this cover before. It's Shadow Man. He's surrounded by uh, some thugs. And I've seen that cover before. So I'm curious, how how interesting is this going to be? I'm... I'm curious what the uh, I said the word curious a lot, but I'm curious what the the connection is, why they chose those issues, and if that's you know obviously this is meant to I think entice you to want to buy more Valiant comics. The copyright date for this collection is 1994, and so maybe it reprints key issues that people were having a hard time getting because they were collectible issues. I don't know. I don't know, but the other Valiant stuff I have is that Eternal Warrior Valiant Era Companion. And so I wonder if I should read that first before I read those. And then and then I have this other Valiant comic here. So I'll probably read all the Valiant stuff at the same time. But I'm ex- most excited about the X-Men or the X-Files. I'll probably save that for last. Xena, Warrior Princess, not super excited about. I think I'm going to start with American Flag, though, since that was the first issue that I pulled. And... I'm going to end with the X-Files. I'll read the Valiant stuff before the X-Files. And after American Flag, I don't know. I don't know. Enigma I'm not super excited about, but I'm curious about. Again, there's that word, curious. Cerebus, I'm actually really excited about that one. I think I might do that before American Flag. And yeah, I'll just just go with... uh, No, not before. Before the Valiant stuff. American Flag, Enigma, the Demon, the Ferret... Xena Warrior Princess, Cerebus, and then the Valiant stuff ending with X-Files. That is my reading order. And I will be giving a report on the value that I received here. But I, like I said, I'm not going to do a report on after each issue. Unless, as I read through, I feel like I can do like two minutes on each one. But even two minutes on each one, that's, that's good, another 25 minutes on this. So, yeah. We'll see. But I think I'm in the mood to just uh, stop it now, record it uh, over the next, well, read over the next day or two, and then record again, maybe tomorrow or the next day. So I'm going to play a sounder right now, and it is time to travel through time. I'm going to read this, but for you, only a few seconds will have passed. You like cheap comic books, right? Well, I'm Professor Allen, and I talk about cheap comic books on the Quarterbin Podcast. In every episode, I'll dissect a single comic from my collection, as long as I paid no more than 25 cents for the issue. Forget about $4 new comics that you can read in four minutes, or crossover events that can cost 100 bucks to collect. Join me in the Quarterbin, where even bad comics are a bargain, and good ones are a steal. The Quarterbin Podcast is part of the Relatively Geeky Podcast Network. Visit us at relativelygeekypodcast.blogspot.com or search Relatively Geeky or Quarterbin Podcast in iTunes. I guarantee it'll be worth every penny. Okay, so I played a, not just a, a podcast that I appreciate and, and a, from a podcaster who I appreciate, <laughs> but it's also a podcast that is uh, a little bit relevant to what I'm doing here. I did the math. I hope I did it right. But the 16, no, 15 comics, because there's nine comics plus the graphic novel and the graphic novel has six in it. So I have... Yeah, 15 comics and $5 divided by 15. Actually, let me make sure I do the math one more time. But it's not quite a quarter. Um, yeah, let's carry the, carry the five, carry the two. Yeah, so uh, the, the math is on five, $5, 15 comics, 33 cents per comic. And so that's the paradigm I'm using. It's kind of the... the uh, 
I guess it's not the budget version of what Professor Allen does because it's more expensive than what Professor Allen does, but I'm doing the thing in a budget way because it's 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 not as good as how he does things. So <laughs> it all makes sense in my head. Bottom line is this is Professor Allen light. Thirty three cents per comic. Is it worth it? Is it worth it? And you know, there's a couple that no, it wasn't. But I have to say. This stack of comics is probably the most time machine blind bag that I've ever blind bagged. Uh, this seriously, it it took me back. It took me back. Now, it took me back to the, the 90s, generally speaking. And now American Flag was in the 80s, and that was the one I read first. It was the one that drew me to this whole thing in the first place. And it wasn't great. I honestly, I, I didn't like it that much. It was Howard Chaikin, who was one of the writers with Stephen Grant, uh, Mark Badger, Randy Emberlin were artists on this. The art is fine, but the storytelling is not. Uh, this was, it was just all over the place. It was confusing. There's two stories in it. And, and I just was not drawn in and there was just so much going on. There was some non sequiturs. There were, you know, things that were supposed to be funny that just weren't, uh, the letters page talks about there's a, there's a guy who wrote in who was a, a priest and who was who had actually visited the 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 offices and he says something like uh, well he says he's, he's enjoying it but they they responded and said um, it was quite a shot in the arm for the whole staff knowing we're not offending everybody under the sun uh, apparently this this comic was maybe offensive and people didn't like it apparently people were not happy with the switching of the the art team and the writing team and Howard Chaikin it was still his vision because he was involved in it. But yeah, it just, it was not, not fun, but you know, 1986, that, that was kind of fun to just see that, that, and, and it was, it's just manic and all over the place. And it's, if you don't know what you're doing, when you read this, you're just dropped into the middle of, of something in the, in the, the exposition to bring you up to speed is not, it's not, that's not even clear. So all things considered, not a fan of American flag. I just didn't enjoy it. Now Enigma, that one took me back, took me back to the nineties and took me back to Sandman and animal man and death, the high cost of living. These are all things that were listed in the back from vertigo. And I think that if, if someone were to hand me the collected edition of Enigma, I probably would read the whole thing. There's enough going on here. There's some really strong writing going on here that, uh, and the art too, that would cause me to say, yeah, I'll read this. I'm not going to seek it out though. The The premise is there's a uh, supernatural serial killer out there on the loose. And there's enough interesting stuff going on that I would read it if I had the whole thing in my hand. But I'm not going to seek it out. And if I saw it at a store and it was full price, I, pr I probably wouldn't wouldn't buy it. But there's, like I said, there's some really strong writing going on here. Uh, let's see. On this page here, this page, well, technically, I guess, page two of the story. On the farm, there was a well. The well was deep and almost dry, full of lizards and insects, but very little water. The well was like an old man who'd lost the desire to get dressed in the mornings. The well would sit around all day in his pajamas waiting for something to happen. 25 years ago, something did happen. And I, I, I just love that. That that's a really nice, nicely done turn of phrase. And there's, there's a lot of things like that in this story. And there's a supernatural serial killer on the lo loose, but there's also a supernatural uh, thing enigma on on the trail of the serial killer but yeah this one took me back in time i mean it's the ads that really did you had uh an ad for time tracks that old tv series uh there is an ad for let me see if i can find it here new digital sound fits in a cassette box introducing dcc the digital compact cassette do you remember the digital compact cassette i do i didn't have one but i had a friend who was all up on the the biggest and newest technology and and he did there's an ad for army of darkness uh there's yeah it just this was definitely a a time machine in the hand the demon similar now this one what was nice about this one is it seemed to be kind of the end of a story arc. 
but there was enough context clues to allow you to step into the middle of this and still kind of figure out what's going on. Now, I didn't necessarily appreciate all the subtleties and nuances of the plot and of the, what the what the characters were doing. And it was a little jarring at first to have Bruce Wayne show up and help stop a situation, uh, a criminal situation in, in the court. Uh, but it just, it worked. And, and this is, again, not something I'm going to seek out and try and get issues one through seven of The Demon and then continue reading the series from, uh, again, we're in the 90s. This is 1990. Oh, 1990. <laughs> uh I'm I'm not interested in in seeking that out, but okay. So, American Flag was it worth it? No, I did not find it worth it. Enigma, yes, I enjoyed the read. Was it thirty three cents worth? Yes, it was. The Demon, thirty three and a third cents worth. Yes, the Ferret. This one was very interesting. This one is where they were kind of trying to tie in all of the Malibu titles into a single universe now the ultraverse does exist at this time there is some advertisements where there were the, the ultraverse was clearly another malibu thing but this is when they were taking the things that weren't ultraverse ultraverse was meant to be its own universe and that's how they started it but this was where they were taking these kind of desperate or disparate disparate all these different titles that were not related dinosaurs for hire and and the ferret and the protectors, although I guess the protectors and the ferret were both clearly the same universe, uh, the ex mutants, and put them into a situation where they could have crossovers happen. And so there's some things going on here where I just don't understand who the characters are, but they introduce them well. And they're clearly introducing concepts and things that they want to uh, revisit and use in the future as they are publishing all these different titles. But was it worth 33 cents? Yes. And part of it was the time travel aspect of it to kind of go back and look and see what was Malibu trying to do. Not the greatest story. Uh, the story is literally a, a friend of the ferret gets hurt. They're both protectors together. And there's someone who wants revenge on that friend. And so they send, they teleport someone into their base to go after the friend, but the friend is, is bedridden because he's hurt and the ferret has to protect his friend and they fight a little bit, and then the ferret is transported away. And then that's to be continued. And then the second story is, where was the ferret transported to? He was transported to this high fantasy realm, and there's a, a high fantasy bad guys who are trying to hurt a princess, and the ferret stops them from hurting the princess. And before he has the opportunity to really, you know, become romantically linked to this princess, he gets transported away again and so is it the most satisfying story read no but as far as being a comical time machine read definitely worth it and not a waste of time again though uh the malibu comics i already have like i said all of the ultraverse comics malibu comics outside of the ultraverse is something i thought about like dipping my toes into i just don't have time to read all of that stuff and so i'm not i'm not going to do that and the same with Valiant, but we'll, we'll get to that. So, so far, I mean, that's three positives and one negative. Uh, Xena Warrior Princess was not a bad read. And again, it was a time machine experience because, again, back to the 90s. Now we're looking at this uh, licensed comic with Xena Warrior Princess. I was a little bit confused because there this is issue number one of a miniseries. And then there was a letter page where they're talking about issue number one of a different series. But then as I was looking at, uh, through the letter page, I realized, oh, they're doing miniseries and that's it. The Xena warrior princess comics were kept to miniseries of three issues. And I believe they said that that's, that's the most that they were going to do was three issues. And because someone was asking about getting a subscription and since they're doing these multiple miniseries, a subscription was not possible to the comic because by the time a comic came out with the subscription thing in it, the things that they would be trying to get people to subscribe to would be done already. So this is issue number one of an ongoing series of mini series. And apparently again, according to the letter page, there were some months where there were multiple Xena warrior princess mini series being put out. So uh, apparently this was a, a hot, hot title. 
But was it a good read? Yeah, it actually was. It was something where they were taking existing mythology that maybe hadn't been touched on in the show, and they were expanding on that. And yeah, there was some some good stuff going on here with the mythological retconning. Let's put it that way. And yeah, I, I enjoyed it. Did I enjoy it enough that I'm going to seek out issues two and three? The answer to that is no. I I, I don't have any plan to seek out issues two and three. Was it worth 33 cents? Yes. And especially as a part of this time machine package, that's probably the best part about all of this is that it was, again, just the nostalgia of of reading this this television series comic book where I haven't even seen an episode of that television series in maybe 20 years. But yeah, definitely worth the 33 cents. So here's where I got a little bit of a surprise. Cerebus is by Dan, uh, Dave Simmons, and I, I almost said Dan Simmons. He's a writer that I'm reading uh, his Hyperion series right now, which is a brilliant. Technically, Hyperion is two books, and then Endymion is the follow-up, another two books. But altogether, I just call them the Hyperion books. And th- these four books are books that I've read a few times over uh, since high school. And I just love that series. It's there's some rough stuff in it. There's there's some a lot of language and, and different things like that. But uh, the sci-fi concepts and the characters and the themes that it brings up, it's just a brilliant, brilliant piece of science fiction writing. But that's Dan Simmons. This is not Dan Simmons. This is Dave Sim from Kitchener, Ontario, and. This is part of the longest ongoing independent created single creator run series of all time. He took it. I can't remember if it was 300 issues, 350 issues. Some of you comic book time machine time travelers right now are yelling at your, your uh, iPod or does anyone have iPods anymore? I guess people still do, but you're, you're yelling at whatever your podcatcher is. Uh, yeah, 350, but This was a reprint series. So this came out in 1989, reprinting a comic from 1979. So already a time machine of sorts. I knew that there was a lot of ongoing threads in Cerebus, and especially later on in the series. I wasn't sure what I was getting into here. I've read some uh, issues of Cerebus on and off and out of context and uh, just random issues here and there. In fact, I have a, a comic that I read that I bought specifically uh, this summer because it had uh, sort of a, I don't know, a parodied, satired version of Swamp Thing and Man Thing in it. And it just, is it brilliant? Yes. Did I understand everything that was going on? No, again, because it was part of an ongoing thread. This one, part of an ongoing thread, yes. But again, you're thrown into the middle of the situation and you're able to figure out very easily what's going on. Cerebus is leading some soldiers on the first page of the issue and okay do i understand why he's leading these soldiers no i don't not from this first page but as you read along you realize oh he actually conquered these guys they're idiots (laughs) and by the end everything has changed for him and there is this wonderful twist ending where you just and that's what Dave Sim does with Cerebus is he kind of takes these tropes and then he gives them a twist. So you don't know exactly what's going on, but that's what I really enjoyed about this is at first it just feels like he is infiltrating a fortress and he's going to fight a bad guy. And that's really the setup in a lot of ways. But then by the end you realize, Oh, what's the bad guy doing? That's weird. That's some interesting concepts that he's got going on there. And then you also have a big twist at the end. And I guess I'll go ahead and spoil it because I don't know who's actually going to pick up issue nine of Cerebus if you haven't already. But at the end, the bad guy reveals, you know, oh, you left your soldiers outside so they could forage for berries and water. Well, it's all poisoned and they're dead. And so Cerebus starts where he has this group of people he's going to kind of go and conquer as a barbarian. And and then he, there's another fine twist where he's, confronting the big bad guy and he realizes all of the people that the bad guy has they're all drugged and slaves and so service is like i don't i don't need them because they're all drugged and slaved i i can't use them in my my plans to conquer 
but the bad guy won't let him actually get that out. So the bad guy is just speechifying. I know why you're here. You're going to set them free. And Cerebus is trying to interrupt and say, I, I, I don't want them. I don't need them. <laughs> you're wrong. And so there's there's some uh, good poking fun at the tropes. And then there's this really great twist at the end where Cerebus is left it's a good Twilight Zone kind of twist where you're wondering, okay, well, where's the character going to go from here? Do I need to see where the character goes from here? No, not necessarily. But eventually I'd love to read the whole Cerebus uh, series. I just, I have not gotten around to it. And I doubt I will. Um, but it is something I'd, lo- I'd love to try. So now we get to Valiant. And this is where things get interesting. Oh, by the way, still one negative, one not worth 33 cents American flag. All the others definitely worth 33 cents. Cerebus worth a lot more than that. But uh, if I'm going to read the whole series, it's probably going to have to be something where <laughs> I can find a way to read it for 33 cents or less per issue. But uh, Ray and the Future Force. This was another one where you're kind of ending a story arc. And so that was kind of nice. I like the fact that even though I'm thrown into the middle and don't know who these characters are, by the time I get to the end, I've read something that has an ending. But it's also setting up the next uh the next story arc where they all have teamed up and they're all ready to, to fight together. And it actually ends on a speech that Ray's like, who fights with me? And everyone, it's a splash page and everyone's got their fist in the air. Rah! Hail Ray, which was a little bit concerning <laughs> that they're all hailing him, but yeah, it, it, this is the end of a the thing. It, there's definitely some crossover stuff going on here that I may not understand exactly how they got there, but it was nice to see uh, Magnus Robot Fighter, who is a character that I've enjoyed since I was a kid. Didn't really understand him uh, even when I was a kid because I never saw like, what's the setup? How is this guy able to karate chop robots and destroy them with a single karate chop? Is there something that he's got like steel hands or something? I, I've never read a comic that actually explains that to me, but this is definitely another publishing universe, the Valiant universe that could fit into like one long box or two long boxes. I'm not sure, but it's, it's the kind of thing where you could potentially collect all of them beginning to end like the Ultraverse. But again, it's the kind of thing where I doubt I would get around to reading them all. If I had them all, they would just take up space. And so reading one or two issues, well, or uh, eight issues like I have here, this was interesting. This was fun as again, that time machine kind of thing where the ads are taking me back to, um, even if I wasn't reading Valiant, I was reading wizard magazine. And so a lot of these ads were ads that I'd seen in wizard magazine. In fact, I believe it might be this comic, but it might be the, I'm pretty sure it's this comic that had, I don't want to look through it right now to find it, but had an ad for wizard magazine in it. No, it was this one. Here it is. Uh, it's a really terrible ad for Wizard Magazine, but but it's in here. Speaking of Wizard Magazine, there was a great episode of a podcast or not a podcast, a series on YouTube about the rise and fall of Wizard Magazine. And that was fascinating. It starts at the beginning where they were self-publishing uh, really just for their comic store that they had and then goes through where it was actually looking like they were uh, manipulating prices in their price guide for their comic shop or I don't know, but uh, just a fascinating, fascinating look at the history of wizard magazine, which was a comic or not a comic was a magazine that I bought regularly. So anyway, again, worth reading. Yes, because I'm getting a glimpse into these moments and yeah. So this is where the time machine aspect is also kind of coming into play where if you're looking at a time machine as your opportunity to go and view historical events, this is what was happening in this, this blind package, the Valiant era companion featuring eternal warrior. I feel a little bit ripped off with this one. This one does not, this is not worth 33 cents. This was apparently, and I looked this up to find out, this was apparently packaged in with the Valiant Era collection graphic novel that has the six issues in it. And this is a short, very short, let's see, I think it's one, two, three, four, yeah, eight pages, that's it. That that goes against the whole 33 cents, is it worth it? The story itself is setting up a character that didn't need to be set up in this book. It's actually, in some ways, it's not a first appearance because I think the first appearance is is reprinted in this book. But the Eternal Warrior first appears in Solar, Man of the Atom. 
and he's there to kill Solar or Solar, Man of the Atom. And this is setting up why. Why was he working with the people he was working with? And I just didn't need that. I, I think that they were doing this just to say that they had something new, something, I don't know, worth that made this so it's not just a collection of old comics, but there's some some new content in there. And as such, was it okay? Yeah, it was okay. Was it needed? Not at all. But it did follow the the pattern that you had in the two eternal warrior comics that were in here, which it starts off with a flashback to him fighting a war in the past, kind of like Highlander, uh, the TV series would do. And then flash forward to the present where you have him dealing with the situation in the present day. Was this, these six issues then in the Valiant era collection worth it? Absolutely. Again, it was this, perfect glimpse back in time at this publisher at some of their key issues and because it's some of their key issues it's it's a curated view into the past for the for the publisher for valiant now again i don't know a whole lot of the history of valiant other than they showed up in the 90s they had some original characters and they had some classic characters solar uh Magnus, Robot Fighter, Turok, they were all legacy characters from uh, publishers in the past. And the other characters, then you have like Shadow Man, I believe is not a legacy character and Bloodshot. I'm not sure if he was or not. Eternal Warrior. I don't know if he was a legacy character. But what this does is it's really a, a great sampler of the publisher. And this is their purpose for this collection was absolutely realized and it was so much fun. Now there weren't the ads that took me back, you know, for video games and stuff like that. Didn't need that. And there's not the nostalgia for the characters other than solar man of the atom and, and Magnus who, who the, I guess I did not realize that they introduced Turok to the valiant universe in Magnus robot fighter. They used Magnus Robot Fire to set up the the valley that Turok lived in, and there's a time travel aspect that allows the Valiant Universe to be able to have stuff happen in the future, like Ray and the Future Force, Magnus Robot Fighter, but then also things in the present day, like Solar and Immortal Warrior and, and Shadow Man, and then allow things to be in the past, I think, with Turok. But anyway... This was so much fun. It was so much fun. The Solar story was two issues. It was basically done in one or done in two. <laughs> the Eternal Warrior didn't uh, quite have the same kind of wrap up. It definitely was setting up things that were to come, but I enjoyed that. Shadow Man, the whole purpose of this issue is Shadow Man. And the reason they included it was because it introduced a classic or new bad guy that became a classic. And that's why they included it here. So that's definitely all about being the uh, the cliffhanger. <laughs> and so there's not any resolution there, but it didn't matter because this this whole collection right here, this was worth the five bucks alone. So were all these issues worth 33 cents each? Absolutely. So out of my 15, so far only two are not worth it. And then finally we have the X-Files annual number two. And again, this was going back in time so much fun. This was a much more enjoyable revisitation to the X-Files than even the two uh, seasons that they that they did recently. Well, I say recently, but a few years ago. This felt like I was watching an episode of the X-Files that I had never seen before. It, it was a... <laughs> it was not a classic episode of the X-Files, but it was not a horrible episode of the X-Files. If this were an actual episode and not a comic book, this is one where you'd be like, oh, it's comfort food. It's one, if you're binge watching the series, you'd be like, oh, that was an episode of the X-Files. It was fine. It was fine. It's not going to end up on any lists of best episodes of all time or worst episodes of all time. And so it's not one that people really care about, but if you're watching the whole show, you'd, you'd want to, you'd want to see that episode because it's one of the episodes that happened in the season. And therefore was it worth 33 cents? Well, yes, because it was all things considered 
positive, but not super positive, but not bad. You know, And it wasn't a Christmas story. It dealt with alien abduction, as you would expect, and paranoia, as you would expect. In fact, I wonder if the person, John Rosam, who wrote this, I, I wonder if he read a book that I read back in the 90s called Paranoia, which had six or seven case studies of people who had dealt with severe paranoia, including seeing elves and dwarves or wrapping their their whole entire house in tinfoil so that the electromagnetic fields could not uh, penetrate and they couldn't be tra- tracked or traced or anything like that. This took me back to that as well. It's a little bit disturbing. The ending is a little vague and and as such a little disturbing, but yeah, definitely worth the 33 cents. And so this whole thing, this whole blind bag, super positive, super fun, two issues out of 15 that were stinkers. And one of them was only an eight page stinker. And the other one was the first comic I read. So everything else after that was better. And it's like, let's start at the bottom and work our way up. Although Cerebus was probably the high point. Wow. Five bucks from the antique store. The only way this could have been better is if it hadn't been $5, but it had been $3 and 75 cents. So I could have matched the value of the quarter bin podcast, but, but no, I mean, the quarter bin is professor Allen's territory. This is a blind bag. This is 33 cents per issue. This was well worth the value and so much fun. If ever I had a time machine in a shrink wrapped bag, this was it. So to wrap up, I want to thank you for listening. Coming up in the comic book time machine, we have some Swamp Things stuff coming with uh, some issues of the Swamp Thing series, but also a couple random sci-fi horror comics that I'll be reading here in October. And I also, eventually, I want to do that episode where I kind of explore these kind of oddball comics that I've gotten at various antique stores and secondhand shops here in my new hometown of of Napanee, Indiana. So until next time, again, thank you so much. If you have any, any feedback you want to send, our comic book time machine email, kaput. So if you want to email me uh, now, you're going to have to email, email me at uh, studioavery at gmail.com. That's studioavery at gmail.com. If you have any feedback you want to give about this or on Facebook, you can uh, look up Comic Book Time Machine on Facebook, like us there, and yeah, you can send, send any feedback there. We don't always read a lot of feedback because we don't always get a lot of feedback. But hopefully, if you're listening to this podcast, you're listening because you enjoy comics and you're listening because you enjoy listening to people talk about comics they enjoy. And man, I hit a treasure trove of comics that I enjoyed here for this episode. So again, thank you so much for listening. And wherever you are, wherever you're going, Godspeed.